Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical, Identical Twins. Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite, or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical, identical twins. twins. All right, we are here for episode 49. Oh, my goodness, 49. 49 is kind of a special number. <laughs> Do you know why? <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> a little late there. Um, yeah, it's great to be here for episode 49. And so we are putting this on YouTube. So we, are you watching us I on don't, YouTube? I have no idea who would ever watch this. But we do have like, the camera going. Besides mom? I don't even think mom would watch it. I know. It. I don't think she would either. No, but we're trying it out. If right. you have any feedback for us, we would love it. Yes. Um, if you prefer YouTube or you prefer a podcasting app to listen to. Uh, it's just kind of all new to us. Right. But we definitely hear that podcasters are going on YouTube. Yes. They're make, they're recording themselves. And they say that that's the best way to do it. I think it's more about getting your podcast out there to people. like Because people are on YouTube and they might search a hymn or they right. might search a hymn writer. And then they find us when you know they weren't even looking for a podcast before. I guess. I guess. I don't that's know. People act like the YouTube thing is really important. So, you know. Speaking of people looking for us, we this whole episode right. is because of someone who found us. Right now, this is a listener from Virginia. Yep, her name is Linda. Linda. Hi, Linda. Now, Linda reached out to us in the summer. Do you remember, Kat? Yes. So this is a him talk twin talk first. <laughs> for so for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's a him talk twin talk first, in that the request came in by email. With a recommendation for a performance. And then we reached out to them, the gentlemen of the Livingstones Quartet, and we asked them if we could feature them on the podcast, and they said yes. So thanks to Linda, not only did we get a hymn, but we actually got a performance. Yes. Um, it's also a hymn talk, twin talk first, because it is a hymn that is by a well-known hymn writer. Right. It is in our hymnals, mm -hmm. but... Neither of us know it. No, I did not know it. The thing is, is that it's a very well-known hymn. I know. Like, and shame on us for not knowing. Shame on us. People love it. People, People love it. People um, say that it's one of his best. His best. One more thing. It's not a hymn talk, twin talk first. It's like a hymn talk, twin talk third. Okay. We are repeating a hymn writer. Yeah. Which, I mean, let's be honest. We're going to come back to this guy. We are. I mean, this is not. We you are. Know. He is. He is a hymn great. He's a hymn legend. A hymn legend. I love that. We should have a sound for that. Hashtag hymn legend. Oh, that's good. <laughs> he is a hymn legend. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Charles, Charles Wesley. Wesley. What a guy. All right. So if you needed to name a Charles Wesley hymn, mm -hmm. what would you name? Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Which was episode number... That was episode 25 for Easter. Such a good episode. In mm -hmm. fact, we really want you to go back and listen to that because we talked a lot about Charles Wesley and his childhood with his mom, Susanna. Yes. It was such a great episode. Please go back and listen to that at some point. Right. We're not getting so much into him the way we did on that right. one. We, have, we didn't want to just repeat it. No, we have all new stuff. We're obviously going to revisit him, but today it's all about... Jesus, Jesus, lover, lover of, of my, my soul. soul. 
recommended by Linda from Virginia. Mm-hmm. Now, we have talked a lot about this hymn. We've researched it. We've sung it. We've found different arrangements of it. And we just are wondering why we don't know it. Like, why don't we know it? It is theologically sound. Oh, my goodness. You can't find anything untrue or vague in mm-hmm. this hymn. It is s- such a perfect depiction of Christianity, of Wesleyan theology. I mean, it's it, the Bible. There's so much good in this. So it's not that we don't know it because of that. So why don't we know it? Well, you can't help but wonder. Right. I mean, you know, we love church music. We've been going to church our whole lives, and we've been really studying church music for many years. But we don't know every song. No. But how can something that's so well-known and loved, like, get overlooked by us? So, Carrie, I have this quote about this hymn. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The famous American preacher, Henry Ward Beecher, declared, I would rather have written that hymn of Wesley's, Jesus, lover of my soul, than to have the fame of all the kings that ever sat on the earth. It is more glorious. It has more power in it. That hymn will go on singing until the last trump brings forth the angel band. And then, I think, it will mount up on some lip to the very presence of God. Wow. That's this hymn. Uh, Why? (laughs) (laughs) We are going to dig into why today. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, can we talk a little bit maybe about what's wrong with it I will tell you that going through it it is full of words it's almost so full that it's not enjoyable to sing it I get tired throughout it I mean it's just like the song won't end our hymnal has four verses that's a lot and the original had five and there's no refrain so there's nothing to like break it up and give you like that sense of like okay you know, I don't have to be staring at the hymnal and staring at the words for this time. It's a lot of words. The other criticism that came, you know, over the years mm-hmm. was that the language was just a little too intimate for addressing a holy God. Right. But what's interesting is that that's exactly what Linda loved about it. Mm-hmm. Like she said, how can the creator of the universe, the king of the world, be the lover of my soul? Right. Just knowing that, that those two statements are true is what makes her fall in love with Jesus. Knowing that he is who he is and he still loves her. Mm-hmm. So those words are powerful. They, Jesus loves you. They are powerful. They absolutely are powerful. There's just a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's a lot to sing. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to get into it today. We are going to sing all of the verses. Yes. But first we thought for a treat, since they came so highly recommended by Linda, we thought we would show you the group Living Stones Quartet performing the first verse. Jesus, lover of of my soul. Jesus. Thank you. 
All right, so that was verse one. So good. I am dying to know if it's familiar to you people. Like, I want to know if mom and dad know it. I know. Do they know it? We- I feel like they don't. <laughs> I feel like they know what we know. And the thing is, is that I have done almost all my church experience at a Baptist church. But Carrie worked in a Methodist church. She worked at the Church of England. I thought for sure, Carrie, that you would know this hymn, even though I didn't. I mean, I worked at the, I think I worked at the Methodist church for, what, seven years? Mm -hmm. Could there have been one time we sang it? Maybe. (laughs) But I kind of don't think so. Like, it didn't have any familiarity at all to me. Mm Mm-hmm. So I would love to just talk for a moment about the title that Charles Wesley gave it. Right. So, of course, you know, over the years, hymns just go by the first line or the first phrase. So Jesus, lover of my soul, is the first few words of the song. Right. But that's not really the big gist of the hymn, right, Cal? Right. So he titled the hymn, In Temptation. So when you really look at it in context of, you know, maybe being tempted or feeling like you were straying from your path with the Lord, you know, then this, I think this song takes on a little bit of a new meaning. Now, Wesley was a very prolific hymn writer, a poet, and he drew on biblical or classical sources constantly. I did a little research and found that he was quoting from the apocryphal book, What's that? What's that? Apocryphal book. Okay, we've we've talked about apocryphal books before, but what is it again? So these are books that aren't in the Bible, that aren't included in our Bible, but they are historical books. They're faith-filled books. Mm -hmm. They just didn't fulfill every single requirement to be included. Um, But people read them and, and look at them often. And this is from the book, The Wisdom of Solomon. It's from chapter 11, and it's supposed to be providing the inspiration for the primary theme of this hymn. And what do we call that on Hymn Talk Twin Talk? Hymnspiration. All right, so listen to these verses. Okay. But thou hast mercy upon all, for thou canst do all things, and winkest at the sins of men, because they should amend. For thou lovest all the things that are, and abhorrest nothing which thou hast made. For never wouldest thou have made anything if thou hadst hated it. And how could anything have endured if it had not been thy will, or been preserved if not called by thee? But thou sparest all, for they are thine, O Lord, thou lover of souls. Oh, well, that's definitely a direct quote. Yes. Yes, Jesus, lover of souls. And I think it just shows how intelligent Wesley was. He was reading the Bible. He was reading other books. He was reading other sources and authors. And he was using them in in his hymns. But then he was poetic and creative. So, I mean, we can't talk to Charles. So we can't ask him what he was thinking when he wrote it. It does seem like that book, The Wisdom of Solomon, inspired him. But there are these other stories. I guess right. this goes back to, you know, hashtag him legend. Right. I love that. <laughs> we have to use that. Hashtag him legend. There are these sort of like anecdotes right. surrounding this hymn. I cannot recall another hymn that we've covered that really had this. Right. It's It's almost like... People love the song so much and they want to like create a reason for writing it or create, you know, create a story behind it. So there's a few different things we read. We have absolutely no way of knowing if any of them are true. Right. In fact, when we researched them and found these stories, they said this may not be true. Right. So one of them is 
taken from a boat ride. Mm-hmm. So when he and his brother John were traveling to the United States, they were traveling by boat to be missionaries in Georgia. And on the boat, they experienced, you know, water turbulence. There was a storm. People were afraid. They were, people were crying. In fact, I read that they even like hit this big wave and water came into the boat, into the cabins. Right. Um, But there were a group of Germans who were praising and singing during the storm. And it really moved Charles and John so much that these people were not showing fear at all. Mm. But anyway... Um, This storm and having faith and being strong through the storm and relying on God, they say that's what inspired this hymn. Right. Because the line of the first verse is what? Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly while the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high. Right. So you're thinking of a storm. Right. And the next line says, hide me, O my Savior, hide till the the storm storm of of life life is is past. Yeah. So the storm, it's a great story. Yeah. We don't know if it's true. The other story that I found was that (laughs) that Charles and his brother were preaching the gospel. They were were very passionate. They wanted people to hear the truth. And they were in a town where unfriendly townspeople didn't want to hear it. And they chased him (laughs) after he was preaching. Right. They chased him and they beat him. And then he hid in the hedges and... The story goes that he wrote those words while he was hiding in the hedges. <laughs> Come on. Like while he was hiding or just like afterwards? No, he was hiding. In fact, the words of the hymn say, right. hide me, oh my savior, hide. <laughs> so that's a great story, but we don't know if it's true. <laughs> and then finally, we have one more story. <laughs> we read that he was at his home in England walking the property and a baby hawk flew into his coat (laughs) into his jacket this one seems the most plausible (laughs) (laughs) and nestled right here in his jacket in his chest Mm -hmm. and that experience with the baby bird um, inspired the phrase let me to thy bosom fly so again great story but we don't know if it's true (laughs) I mean a bird did fly into his bosom so I mean, why else would you write that? (laughs) Wait a minute. I do think that that is a hard word to put in a hymn when you're in the 21st century and you're trying to to sing. For sure. With your intergenerational, multi-generational congregation, you have, you know, the elderly along with the teenagers. And who wants to sing, Let Let Me me To to Thy thy Bosom bosom Fly? fly. And you're just going to get snickers and giggles. And it's maybe just not... It's just like when we sing ASS in What Child Is This? (laughs) We don't sing. We do. Ox and Kelly, what are you doing? (laughs) I mean, who knew that at church we had to put a disclaimer? Adult language. We do not. Mild language. Bosom. (laughs) Stop saying it. All right. I mean, it's so funny that we have these stories. I, I just, yeah. we, don't, we haven't had this happen at all. No. That like all of these people have these little anecdotes. I mean, it would be fun if we were researching a hymn and we found one story. Right. And we the, found three. And now we have three. Yeah. yeah. So the the words were well received. You know, they, they were they were published and 
And of course, they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a while before we got a tune that really stuck with it. Yes. And we have Simeon Marsh to thank for that. Yes. Now, listen, just a little bit of a quick timeline. The poem was written in 1738. Mm -hmm. It was within months of Wesley being converted. Two years later, it was published as a poem with five stanzas. That's 1740. But it wasn't included in a hymnal till 1797, almost 60 years later. And it was well after his death. So he never saw it published. Of course, it was sung all the time. And it's now in over 2,600 hymnals. It's yeah. very, very popular, but not at, not in his time. He never saw it published. And we don't really have a lot of information about the tunes back then. No. Um, we've talked about meters before. Right. Um, it has a very common meter, 7777. They would have been able to put it to many, many different hymn tunes. Yes. But it wasn't until 1834 when we get Simeon Butler Marsh. He writes the tune that I that you know I think is most popular. Yes. And it's the tune we just heard from the Livingstones Quartet. The tune is called Martin. Martin. All right, do you want to hear about Simeon Marsh? Yes. Simeon Marsh was born on June 1st, 1798 in Sherburne, New York. Love this. So we have these words from our guy in England. Yes. And they come over to Sherburne, New York here mm -hmm. in America. So Simeon was born on a farm. He lived on a farm. He was Presbyterian. Um, he always loved music. He was singing. He was playing piano. He was an organist. But it wasn't until he met Thomas Hastings. So Thomas Hastings became like a mentor and encourager to him. And we know Thomas Hastings as being a composer of hundreds of hymns. Right. But probably his most most famous is Rock of Ages. Right. Do you remember Rock of Ages? Mm -hmm. um, he also did How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds. This I think is so interesting. You know, Simeon Marsh, we call him a composer, an organist, a music teacher, but he really had this whole other career, which we don't see this that often. He was a newspaper owner. Okay. He opened a newspaper called the Sherburne News. In 1864, when it first opened, it was called The Home News. Its first publication was one sheet, one column, nine inches long. Wow. And it had 11 subscribers. Oh, yep. I feel like we might need to explain what a newspaper is to our young listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, at 10 cents per month, the people would get their wow. subscription. And it eventually became a four-page, seven-column paper, which that's what it was for the rest of his time when he worked there. Oh. Now, the Sherburne News is still there. It's still in existence. They have weekly newspapers for the central New York counties, namely the Chenango and the Madison counties. Okay. Okay. So though that's their main market. But now Sherburne News, they not only do their own newspaper, but they're actually like a printing service. Oh, okay. So you could yeah. go and get your business cards, mm -hmm. your brochures. Mm -hmm. You could even bring stuff to be laminated there. Right. So that's the Sherburne News. And you trace it back to our... Him writer. I mean, right? That's great. Simeon Marsh. So Simeon Marsh wrote one of the tunes, but this, since the words were so popular and the meter was fairly common, we found lots of tunes lots to go of with tunes. it. I know. So we thought, now this is kind of another hymn talk, twin talk first. <laughs> we thought we would share each verse with you with a different tune. Yeah, 
it's either going to make you really love the song or mm-hmm. really hate the song. Well, maybe afterwards <laughs> we can have a poll of which tune you liked. Yeah. So you heard the first one, which mm-hmm. is the one in our hymnal, probably the one that's most common. And now this is the second one, which was written in when, Carrie? In 1861, and it's written by a guy we love here yep. at Him Talk Twin Talk by John, John Bacchus Dykes. Dykes. And we talked about him when we did Eternal Father Strong to Save mm-hmm. and Holy, Holy, Holy. So in 1861, John Bacchus Dykes writes the tune Hollingside, and we see that it was put to Charles Wesley's words. So it was printed in 185 hymnals. Oh, that's but, not that many, but it's. More than some of our hymnals. No, but that's quite a bit considering this isn't even the most popular tune. Right. Okay. Okay. So Jesus, lover of my soul, verse two, words by Charles Wesley and tune by John John Bacchus Dykes. Other refuge have I none, hangs my helpless soul on thee. Leave, ah, leave me not at alone. Still support and comfort me. All my trust on thee is stayed. All my help from thee I bring. Cover my defenseless head with the shadow of thy wing. All right, so that's a very singable tune. And that verse, more than any, sounds like a psalm of lament. Do not leave me alone. Please support and comfort me. I am putting all my trust in thee. All my help is from you. And if we just want to quickly take a look at the Bible and find a psalm, I feel like... What does the Bible say? (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of psalms that we could look to. I just look at Psalm 9, 9 through 10. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Wow, what a promise. Mm -hmm. Perfect. All right, so verse 3, if we move ahead, we're going to try another tune. We're really testing our sight singing skills. And again, again, this is in about 200 hymnals. Mm -hmm. It's by a composer named Joseph Holbrook. And the tune is called Refuge. And we're going to try to sing the third verse. So Charles Wesley's third verse with this new tune by Holbrook. Thou, O Christ, art all I want. More than all in thee I find. Raise the fallen, cheer the faint. Heal the sick and lead the blind. Just and holy is thy name. I am all unrighteousness. Vile and full of sin I am. Thou art full of truth and grace. Okay, that's a very interesting tune. 
Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but it actually did not seem to match the words. No, for that verse, it really didn't. Although I love the raise the fallen, cheer the faint, heal the sick, lead the blind. I mean, those are all wonderful, beautiful things. But then when it says vile and full of sin, I am. You know, I am all unrighteousness. And it just has this like kind of like this peppy, happy melody. Mm -hmm. It does not work. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you who are up on your Wesleyan theology, <laughs> this verse really brings home the one of the main tenets of Wesleyan theology, which is original sin and the absolute inability for humans to save themselves. Mm -hmm. Like we cannot. And the second tenet of Wesleyan theology is that the grace of God is freely available. They have the doctrine of what's called prevenient grace. What's that? What's that? Do you think it's prevenient grace? What's I have that? no idea. What does it mean? Prevenient <laughs> grace. It's that it's grace that goes before pre. That's okay. the prefix, right? It goes before, and it points to a God who saves the lost without transgressing their moral freedom to choose. Such grace enables the individual to repent of their sins and to believe in Jesus. I feel like that verse says that. Yeah. I think this would be a great hymn maybe before confession or maybe while there is silent confession. You know, the congregation is praying and this hymn is sung. Or maybe during communion, Cal. Yeah, that would be nice yeah. too. All right. So let's move on to verse four. Okay. We are going to do another tune. All right. So this is by a hymn writer named Joseph Barnby. And this tune is called Saint Fabian, and it is by far the least popular, the least well-known <laughs> okay. out of the tunes. So it was only published in about 16 hymnals. And yeah, let's show them. Verse 4. Plenteous grace with thee is found, grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound. Make and keep me pure within. Thou of life the fountain art. Freely let me take of thee. Spring thou up within my heart. Rise to all eternity. All right, so that is not a super popular hymn tune. Nope. And for good reason. Yeah, that's Joseph Barnby. And it, he definitely plays around with the key. It sounds like minor. It sounds like major. It sounds like it's modulating. M&M's, <laughs> always fun. I mean, it almost feels like he, he couldn't decide what to do with the song. Mm. What Does he make it minor? Does he make it major? What should I do with it? Mm -hmm. um, that was tricky for us, you guys. That took us a long time to figure out. Mm. All right, so that, but the words. It's saying, please help me, make me pure. Help me, make me pure within. I mean, this is somebody who knows they need Jesus, knows they, they need the atoning blood of Jesus. Right. And there's plenteous grace. There right. is grace to go around. Mm -hmm. And I actually really love that it sounds like he's absolutely quoting from Numbers 2117. What does the <laughs> Bible say? What is it? It's a song that Israel sings of praise. 
It says, then Israel sang this song, spring up, oh well, sing about it. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that we should be singing and springing up Mm -hmm. our praises to Mm -hmm. God. All right. So the last verse, you guys, is verse five. Now, this is not found in a hymnal. This was from the original poem that Wesley wrote. Okay. So, and we are putting it with probably the second most well-known tune. Mm -hmm. So this is a tune that was written in 1876 and it's by Joseph Perry and it's about in about 200 hymnals, but I definitely feel like this comes up a lot. When you look up Jesus, lover of my soul, you're going to find the Marsh one that we sing and Mm -hmm. that Living Stones Quartet sings, and then you're going to find this Joseph Perry one. So let's try to put these words from the fifth verse Mm -hmm. to Perry's tune. Wilt thou not regard my call? Wilt thou not accept my prayer? Lo, I sing, I faint, I fall. Lo, on thee I cast my care. Reach me out thy gracious hand, while I of thy strength receive. Hoping against hope I stand, dying and behold, I live. What do you think of that? I find that funny that that's the second most popular tune. Right. Why? Because it's in minor. Mm -hmm. And while it matches that set of words, I'm not sure it matches all of them. And there's a lot of stuff happening. Do you know that the time signature on this one Mm -hmm. is 4-2? Okay. That is so strange. We do not see 4-2 that often. I really like it. There's something about this that I like. And you know what it's reminding me of? I know what it's reminding you of, Carrie. Let's see if this is a twin moment. Okay, let's see. Okay, we're going to do it on the count of three. <laughs> what we, like to, we like to do this sometimes and test our, yeah. test our twin telepathy. Okay, what does this song remind you of? One, two, three. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, are we just going to say that every minor key, you know, reminds yeah, us? No, but even the way it moves. Right. You and know. it reminds me of the water, yeah, which it, we talked about, the waves. It definitely reminds me of like a, a sea shanty. And so maybe when people heard this hymn tune, that's when the story came that it must have been inspired by the water, <laughs> sure. you know, by the boat ride. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I love that fifth verse. Kelly, why wasn't that included in the hymns? Reach out your hand to me. I can receive your strength. Why? I actually like those words better than some of the other verses. I know, it's true. I don't have an answer for you, Carrie. Although I do feel that the hymns that include these and thous and thys are slowly being changed to more contemporary words. And uh-huh. So I, th- I do think that if this hymn wasn't written by Wesley, we probably still wouldn't even have it. But it's written by Wesley because he's the sweet bard of Methodism and everything he says is like gold. So this is so <laughs> funny because we're going to talk about the two brothers now. And Charles Wesley has been called a few things. The sweet bard of Methodism mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, one of them. Mm-hmm. But I was reading that he's often the forgotten sibling. What? He did so much. He's the forgotten sibling because it was John's writing and preaching that really started Methodism. He was like the sidekick that wrote the music. Oh, my goodness. He didn't write the music. He wrote like these poems. But I mean, what we've seen over and over again, 
throughout history is that when there is like this rebirth or this awakening, there's always music to go with it. Yes. And it's because of Charles Wesley that fueled the movement. Yeah. So Carrie, this forgotten sibling concept, you know, got me thinking of so many things. Okay. So I looked up forgotten sibling. It's actually, you know, a real thing that people okay. talk about nowadays, especially with mental health. A forgotten sibling is sometimes the sibling of someone who has special needs or someone who has a chronic disease or it's the sibling who is surviving after a sibling dies. Uh -huh. They're the forgotten sibling. And a part of me was thinking, you know, that we grew up with a sibling who has special needs. Right. You all know our sister Missy. Yeah, she has Down syndrome. She's 18 months older. And she took a lot of care and attention from our parents. And, you know, some people might say that any sibling of hers would have been a forgotten sibling. Which I don't feel that at all. No, because we were twins. They were two of us. We I mean, I think she was the forgotten sibling. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kept digging a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And the forgotten sibling was sometimes the sibling of someone famous. Well, for instance, Miley Cyrus has six siblings. Wow, I would have never known that. I know. There's six others that mm -hmm. aren't mm -hmm. as famous as her. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows Miley. And then finally, the forgotten sibling you guys, is sometimes the middle child. Oh, yes. The not child. the oldest, <laughs> not the cute little baby. And they are just forgotten. They're in the middle. Oh, I hope my middle guy doesn't feel that way. And again, when we look back at our childhood, we hear all of this information about birth order and how that plays a part in personality. But that really no. didn't seem to affect us. Well, we didn't really have a birth order. No, because... No. We had an older sister, but she had special needs. She wasn't your typical firstborn. And then you had us who were exactly the same age. Right. I mean, I'm three minutes older. Okay. <laughs> so you are the baby. <laughs> you are the baby of the family. Right. By three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I thought this was interesting with Charles and John. Yeah. Do you know that John, out of 19 kids, mm -hmm. John was 13. Okay. So he was in the middle-ish and Charles was the youngest. He was the baby? Mm-hmm. Our forgotten sibling was the youngest. So I did a little digging into birth order. I do find it interesting. We both have three children. Yeah. So we both have a firstborn, a middleborn, and yep. a youngestborn. And it didn't really pertain to us in our childhood, but it might pertain to our children, and it might pertain to people who are listening. Mm -hmm. So the firstborns are usually more amb ambitious, they're more aggressive. Carrie, do you know that they're overrepresented at Harvard and Yale? More than half of all Nobel Prize winners and half of the U.S. presidents are all firstborn. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. Middle children are more easygoing. They're more peer-oriented. And they learn to build bridges and they have excellent people skills. Interesting. Mm -hmm. The youngest born are the most creative they can be charming they could be manipulative they are the ones who fight for a cause because they identify with the underdog do you know that the earliest backers of the protestant reformation and the enlightenment were all youngest borns oh wow mm -hmm. and then i looked up only children only children are very much like firstborns, but they're burdened with some high parental expectation. They're more confident. They're more articulate. They tend to be perfectionists, and they tend to be inflexible. All right. Our listeners have to weigh in on this. They have to tell us if this rings true for them or not true. This mm -hmm. is so interesting. So there's oldest, middle, youngest, only children, mm -hmm. and then twins. 
Oh, that's us. Guess what it said about twins. Uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> because twins hold equal status and are treated similarly, they turn out similarly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a surprise. I mean, that's like a statement of the obvious, right? <laughs> they just came out, come out the same. They come out the same. Okay. All right. So I am going to quiz you, Carrie. You have a quiz on what? On famous people and their birth order. Where's our quiz song? Okay, okay. Here's our music. <laughs> this is like a game show, you guys. So I am going to quiz you, Carrie. I'm okay, going to I'm name ready. I'm ready. Some famous people, and you're going to tell me if they are. So you have a one in five chance. Oh, if oldest, middle, <laughs> youngest, only children, or twin. Okay. <laughs> and you can play at home along too. Okay, don't be peeking. I can't see anything over there. Okay. <laughs> How about Sarah Jessica Parker? I'm going to say oldest. Uh, middle child. Sorry. I mean, that's a wild guess. I have no idea. How about Giselle Bunchen? Baby. How about twin? Really? There are two of her, Carrie. That's amazing. Giselle and Gabriella. Oh my gosh. Both beautiful names. How about Ashton Kutcher? I'm going to say a baby. He's a twin too. What? Hunter and Ashton Kutcher. Twins. Jack Nicholson. I'm going to say only child. Yes. That was a wild guess. I mean, a totally wild (laughs) guess. I was just like, which one haven't I said yet? Right, right. How about Daniel Radcliffe? Ooh, Harry Potter. I'm going to say he's the oldest only child. Are you done this game yet? (laughs) I think it's cool. How about Mark Wahlberg? Well, I know he has a brother. He has has a big family, too, I I think. think. Maybe Mark is the oldest. He's the youngest. The youngest. You know, I... I, He's so cute, isn't he? I really thought uh, he was one or the other. Yeah. How about Justin Bieber? Um, He's the oldest. Yes. Last one. Princess Diana. Only child? She's the middle. Mm. I did not do good at that. Well, I mean, you have a one in five guess, which you got one right. I mean, it's really a complete guess. All right, so back to Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Our hymn writer is Charles Wesley, and of course, his famous brother, John. I don't think either of them would be considered forgotten, but, you know, maybe other people do. Mm. You know, we talked at the beginning about how there's so many stories with this song, mm-hmm. and, and you know, we don't really know what's true. <laughs> um, I actually have another story that I found. Really? Yes, and it takes place during the Civil War. Okay, so this is funny, because I have a story, too. Right. And it takes place in a war, too. I know. Isn't it Civil War? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I we don't know if this is true, but I actually saw it in quite a few places. Okay. You know, but it's a very sweet story. A young boy had joined the army. He was a drummer. He was very respected by his fellow soldiers because he would speak about his faith and sing hymns. Now, at home, his mother and his sister had died. So he really left kind of an empty home to go off to war. And one day he told the army chaplain that he had this dream. In his dream, his mother and his sister were alive. He said that he went home and they greeted him with hugs. And and he felt so much comfort and so much love in his dream. And when he woke up, he was so like disappointed. He realized they were they weren't there. He wasn't going to ever go home and see them. And the chaplain said to him, That was like a message. You have a mother and 
She is dead here on earth, but she's waiting for you. Your mother is in heaven. She's hoping for you to meet Christ with her, you know? So he had a smile on his face and he went about that day. They were frightful battles the following day. And at night, there were so many um, dead soldiers and so many that were missing. And this young drummer boy, whose name was Tom, Mm. was one of the ones that was missing. So in the darkness of night, they couldn't find him, but they heard his voice singing, singing the words of Jesus, lover of my soul from the second verse. Do you want to sing it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Leave, oh, leave me not alone. Still support and comfort me. And they could hear him singing. And... The next morning when they went and surveyed, you know, the situation, they found his dead body like slumped against a tree. He had passed the night before. And those words, leave me not alone, support me, comfort me. He was going to his eternal home Mm -hmm. with Jesus, with his mother, with his Mm -hmm. sister. Mm. So we don't know if that's a true story, but... I found it in several places. You found a story about the Civil War? I found a story about the Civil War. So this is, it was in the early 20th century. A bunch of veterans from the Civil War were gathering from both sides. Mm -hmm. And one of the veterans stood up and told this story. He, He was from the Confederate side. And he said that he was on patrol one night. And he came upon a sentry from the opposing side. He saw him. He had his gun ready. And he said that he could shoot him with a clear line of vision. When in the darkness, the sentry sang, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. The gunman said he just paused and listened. He didn't make a move. And the Union Guard continued, Cover my defenseless head with the shadow of thy wing. I mean, talk about a prayer that is needed in that time. Right. Cover my defenseless head. I mean, mm-hmm. he was sitting there mm-hmm. defenseless. The soldier said he crept away. He could not kill that man. And this is a quote. <coughs> Attention, please. <laughs> he could not kill that man, even though he were 10 times my enemy. When he say, told that story to the gathering, another veteran spoke up. Was this the Battle of Atlanta in 64? Indeed, it was. And the Union veteran exclaimed, I was that sentry. What? He t- Yep, he was in the room. He spoke of his fear of the battle and the sense of hopelessness he felt that night on patrol, not knowing that there was someone there with a gun pointed at him, but he said the hymn brought him peace and comfort. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's quite the story. And for your story, I mean, there's like eyewitness accounts of people who were at that ceremony. It's a reputable news source. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like it probably is true. And I also think it speaks to how popular this hymn was. Right. You know, they knew it. Right. That they would just sing it. Right. 
Well, this has been just wonderful. I'm so glad Linda brought it to our attention. Me too. So let's share the Living Stones Quartet performing Jesus, Jesus, Lover Lover of My Soul. Jesus, Lover of My Soul, let me to Thy bosom.
so beautiful. I know. The video is really nice too. I so know. I hope that people will watch it. Right. We really have Linda to thank for all of this. I know. I know. Thank you, Linda. All right, Kelly, it's time for our hymn takes. What do you think? I have a different kind of hymn take. She never follows the rules of the hymn <laughs> I have a different kind of hymn take okay. today. Why? I mean, my hymn take is about Charles Wesley, whether or not he was the forgotten sibling or not. He wrote things that were unabashedly true. He didn't water it down. Mm-hmm. He really told the truth. We are vile mm-hmm. creatures, and we need the plenteous grace. Um, and I just think that that's so impressive. And I think it's a lesson to modern hymn writers and modern praise songwriters. Don't water it down. Right. Give us the truth. Because even if you think it's something that people won't like and it would not stand the test of time, I mean, we have this hymn as an example. Right. It will stand the test of time. People will love it. 200 years later, a contemporary band will do it. So, I mean, speak the truth, speak it well, and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Yeah. That's my hymn take. I like that, Cal. Thank you. All right. Well, I am actually choosing a line from the sort of forgotten fifth verse. Yeah, the omitted verse. The omitted verse. Well, you know, here we just told the story of the drummer boy Mm -hmm. who you know, needed that chaplain to just remind him of where his hope should be, right? But the last line of that fifth verse, hoping against hope Mm. I stand, dying, and behold, I live. So all of those people who served in the Civil War, I mean, had to fear dying. That Mm. was a reality that they faced. But what this verse says is you're dying, but behold, you live. And in a very literal sense... You know, that army drummer boy, he died, but then he is going to live. Mm. He is going to live with Jesus, with his mother, with his sister. And I think it's because I just shared that story that just makes those words just so special. Mm. Um, But yeah, we have hope against hope. It doesn't really matter what we face. We have the, the men who faced death during the Civil War. We in 2022 face all sorts of things that are scary but we have hope above all other hopes because our hope is in him thank you everyone for listening this is episode 49 we're gearing up for the big 50 (laughs) check back with us in two weeks thank you linda for an awesome hymn Mm -hmm. thank you thank you all right everybody have a great couple of weeks we'll see you next time bye on him talk Talk, twin Twin Talk. talk